25th of May. I'm Randy Coure. This is What's Up, the Sports Podcast, coming at you live via Facebook at What's Up Podcast. Thank you so much for logging on. If you are catching this via Podcatcher, thank you so much for the download. A very special edition today, as this is our first edition going live. Of course, it's game time here in the Big Smoke, uh, Leafs and Canadians, game four of the division semifinals. And with me, uh, two of my uh, fellow radio alumni from the legendary radio broadcasting program, Seneca College 2004, fellow blue and white diehard Dan Legere is here. Dan, how are you? Hello, hello, Randy. <laughs> and uh, blue and white well-wisher, I think, his life is devoted to the black and yellow of Sid, Gino, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. His name is Tony Antonio. Tony, thank you so much for, for joining me. What's going on? My pleasure. How are you, buddy? Doing well, thank you. On today's episode, we'll dissect the bizarre season that was uh, for the Toronto Raptors, playing in Tampa, trading away fan favorite Norman Powell, uh, not trading the perceived greatest Raptor of all time, Kyle Lowry. What happens to Masai Ujiri? A little more basketball talk involving LeBron James and his social calendar, this during the global pandemic, and we'll have a little rapid-fire segment as well. Once again, on Facebook and Twitter, at What's Up Podcast. So, uh, the three of us are in our own homes as we are doing this recording. And uh, with the hockey game in the background, for the first time in 42 years, the Leafs and Canadians are battling in the Stanley Cup playoffs with the series tied, well, uh, with the Leafs now up uh, two games to one. Uh, Of course, uh, there was a ton of hype uh, for this series. It was the first time uh, in over four decades the Leafs and Canadians playing in the playoffs. But all of that hype came to a devastating halt uh, when Leaf captain John Tavares uh, suffered a devastating injury minutes into uh, the first period. Don't really need to describe what happened, but Tony, uh, your thoughts. How frightening uh, was that injury when you saw it? Oh, it was tough. It was so tough to watch. And I think I said, oh, my God, about a dozen times because, you know, you saw the medical staff, the, the, the first guy that got there trying to pick him up. And you see him just going backwards. And, and I'm just thinking, oh, my God, like his wife is watching this, probably has the little boy beside him. And like what is going through her mind right now? What is his family going through right now? So. Yeah, it was tough to watch. I mean, it's it's nice to hear that everything's good. I think I think he came out of it with a concussion, and there were some knee issues. Um, but as far as structural damage and spine and whatever, it's good to hear that he's okay there. Um, but yeah, it's tough to watch. Well, and uh, Dano, you said that uh, you really you barely cared about the game. We were uh, discussing uh, pre uh, pre show, uh, and you mentioned that uh, your five year old son uh, was watching. Uh, the uh, the game and saw the injury take place and you didn't really have much of a stomach for the game uh, after that hit. Uh, were you surprised at how it affected you? 
Knowing myself as well as I do, no, I'm not surprised that it affected me that way. Um, it's funny, I tried to have two moments with my five-year-old son this week. One was his first ever playoff game, and the second was uh, fireworks over Victoria Day. So the first situation, you know, he saw the first period and almost watched his first live death on uh, right on live television. And, uh, you know, and just to pause there, I, I shared Tony's sentiment exactly. You know, I was, my, my heart sunk. You know, I must have said, oh, my God, you know, a million times. And surprisingly, you know, I had the exact same thought as Tony where my mind went, went right to his wife. And maybe it's because in the media, uh, you know, we've made a quasi-big deal about the, uh, John Tavares being a new parent and having boys and, you know, really, you know, establishing himself as a community figure here in Toronto and, you know, and, and you know, creating all this uh, goodwill and, and uh, you know, sentimentality towards him so it was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was devastating and yeah after the fact um, you know it, it, I couldn't find myself getting into the game until late into the third where I was you know my, my, my hatred for the for the Habs sort of took over and I just wanted to win the game but it was really hard to get into it and I can imagine you know Matthews looking at him on the bench when it happened it looked like he was almost in tears uh, oh yeah the shot when, when Dubis was you know banging on the glass like, trying to get somebody's attention they were you know, it must have hit them ten times as hard if it hit Tony and I, uh, you know, two heartless guys sitting watching from afar. Um, so, yeah, it was just it was a, it was a wild scene. Um, I'm glad he's okay. You know, it's a miracle he didn't break his nose or you know snap something in his neck or orbital bone or something. So maybe that's a sign that you know he's on the mend and he'll be back sooner than later. Um, but it was a, it was a very real moment where you know you never want anybody to go through that. And just quickly to close off the loop, the Victoria Day, we're we're sitting safely from a distance watching our fireworks and then a couple guys uh, in the park as well their fireworks tipped over and shot right into our group oh, just, God. Uh, just hitting right behind us so now he's, he's afraid of fireworks he thinks hockey is uh, nothing but a death sport so you know i gotta add uh, some, some therapy pills to, to, to pay for over time yeah, geez. Well, uh, hopefully he'll uh, realize that uh, it was a, I don't know if a one-off is the right word, but I mean, there has obviously been instances where devastating injuries take place, not only in uh, hockey, but in uh, all sports. You think of uh, the uh, uh, Gordon Hayward for the when he was playing with Boston, when he broke his leg, and Paul George when he was playing with uh, Indiana. Uh I mean, and also you think of Yuri Fisher and Rich Peverly. I mean, they had uh, uh, heart issues, but uh, the fact that they were um, unconscious and uh, just uh, uh, a situation where teammates and the opposing teams were um, feeling it as well. Uh, so oh, don't forget, don't forget uh, LeBron uh, allegedly getting poked in the eye and seeing three <laughs> rims and hitting the one in the middle too. Don't forget about that injury too. Yes, and uh, if. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> For those of you who haven't uh, downloaded our uh, podcast, uh, Tony is a bit of a uh, – he's not the biggest LeBron James fan. We'll probably get uh, some comment from him uh, later on in the episode. Correction, I'm a big fan of LeBron James basketball player. I think he's one of the best to ever play the game. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. okay. So, uh, There's other, <laughs> other things about him that bother me. Oh, you're being serious. The fact that they were. You're you're um, being serious. Wow. Okay. Gosh, I, I, I didn't course. think that. Of course, the guy's one of the greatest players ever. Well, we'll, we'll get. We can get to LeBron later. I don't want to hijack your show here, Andy. But I'm just saying. Don't yeah. forget the original. Uh, do you remember Joe Theismann's injury too? 
Uh, you know what? I've definitely heard of it, but I'm essentially too scared to, to see that, it. If you get a chance to Google that, that was crazy because that was that was Lawrence Taylor who climbed on him, and his like it basically snapped his leg. Like the bone was kind of coming out. Do you, you ever watch Bloodsport? No. Do you remember the scene? Oh, you know. Okay. You never watched Bloodsport? Can you I am that? the worst. We when should it comes probably to... pause right now and go watch Bloodsport. You know, yeah, I like... am the worst when it comes to movies. Like, uh, Dan, Dan, yeah. we should leave the show right now. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't do that. I need you guys. Like, I can't uh, do this by myself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But I uh, no, I, I, yeah, you think uh, Joe Theismann, uh, I think Hall of Fame career, and uh, what is he most known for is that uh, devastating injury. Uh, I mean, the so uh, how much more uh, uh, gruesome was uh, Theismann's injury to Gordon Hayward's, for example, Tony? I, I guess it was similar. Was, now, was Gordon Hayward's an ankle or was it the leg? It was uh, the ankle. Uh, yeah, it was the uh, left ankle there. Yeah. So I don't recall that because I remember seeing Theismann so clearly, and that's why I brought up the... Bloodsport reference. I don't know if do you remember that scene when one of the fighters just stomped on the other guy's leg and the bone came out of the shin. Dan, do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, of course. That that's kind of what happened to Joe Theismann. So that's why I referenced the that scene in Bloodsport because every time I watch Bloodsport, I think of Joe Theismann when that particular scene comes on and his leg just gets yeah, it was it yeah. was bad. And you they're, they're, both, they're both equally as brutal. I won't I won't rank them. Okay. All right. You know what? I'll just bite the bullet. I'll just bite the bullet and uh, and watch it. But yeah. Uh, I, I, but uh, getting back to Tavares, um, of course, uh, another big headline that came uh, after the Tavares injury was subsequent subsequent fight between uh, Nick Foligno and Corey Perry, who of course was the uh, player that uh, Tavares struck, uh, albeit at uh, inadvertently. Uh, the uh, the fight uh, appeared to be uh, approved upon by uh, his uh, Felino's uh, leave teammates, and essentially this all falls into the uh, whatever the code is. Uh, sports fans have heard this all the time that there is an unwritten uh, set of rules when it comes to not only hockey but in uh, in all sports. Uh, Tony. Uh, did you feel that the fight was necessary? Did did Felino have to quote unquote stick up for his captain? I, I don't think Corey Perry had to answer for anything. Um, I you know I thought it was stupid, but hey, we've never played the game before, and apparently we don't know anything about the code of hockey. Anytime you try and speak up against that stuff, I understand. I totally understand having to answer for a dirty hit and i even understand having to sometimes answer for a clean hit right if you if you're hitting your captain even if it's in a clean way i get it you know i but this to me was just stupid but Corey perry understands it and he's the one that obliged they had a little conversation before the uh before the puck drop and he obliged so he understands it Obviously, Felino understands it. I don't know how to have an opinion on it anymore because, I, you know, yeah, I think it's stupid, but then we're looked at, oh, you've never played the game before and you don't understand it, right? Like, so I, I it just, it just 
looked like it was completely unnecessary because here's the thing. What if Felino just connected with Corey Perry, no helmet, head first on the ice, and we got another stretcher there taking another guy to the hospital for absolutely no reason whatsoever for stupidity? Is, you know, do you justify that by saying code? I mean, that's why I look at it and say that's really dumb. Like, there's no use for it. You well, know what I mean? I mean, I, I, that, uh, and you're kind of uh, hitting the nail on the head there when it comes to me. Like, what happens if uh, Corey Perry uh, smoked Felino in the fight? Uh, or, like, yeah. did he yeah. did he uh, did he uh, did Felino accomplish what he set out to do? Uh, I mean, you mentioned about uh, you know uh, Perry obliging. Uh, to me, it didn't look like that. He was really up for it. Uh, you know, I mean, it looked. Well, like... I don't think he wanted to do it, but he's like, okay, I, I guess I have to. I mean, he's been through that before himself in the past, just because he plays a hard game and he sometimes he's dirty. Um, so he understands it. I don't think he wanted any part of it, but he said, let's just get over with, put it to bed and put it behind us. So, uh, Daniel, I, I guess uh, one question that I have is, uh, and, and Tony uh, alluded to it as well, is that the argument is, is that, you know, guys like us, we haven't played the game. I hear that excuse all the time. And uh, yeah, sure. We, uh, we haven't played the game. We've been following the game for uh, 30 plus years, but apparently that doesn't mean a hill of beans. Do you think the NHL is losing something here by always bringing up that uh, that uh, reasoning that uh, they're not really listening to fans, that they uh, have uh, an understanding of the game that apparently fans who've been watching uh, this sport their entire lives are just quote-unquote never can understand? Well, I think there's some validity to the fact that you know anybody who does something for a living has a more intimate knowledge of somebody who doesn't. Um, you know, and, and not to say that, but it's the same argument as saying that you know basketball players should shut up and dribble or uh, you know athletes should stick to sports. It's all you know to me that's all bullshit because everybody's allowed an opinion on anything, and especially if you know if you're a fan of hockey, you know, you're not just uh, you're not just talking out of your ass. You have some form of, or some form of context for did that fight belong in that spot or not? So you can look at it a, a couple of different ways. Now, to me, it, it, it's really not that big of a story. I can kind of see where Felino might have been coming from, where he's like, you know, I need to change the narrative here. I need to get my guys. You know, this, this is a playoff team. He's been brought in for that leadership quality. Somebody who's been, you know, battle tested and through these sort of wars where he can, in that moment, say, you know, I can see all my young superstars, you know, really lost focus on the game for a second, just worried about their buddy and his health. So I got to turn the focus back to a hockey game. And how do I do that? By, you know, abiding by this code. So I'll, you know, I'll drop the mitts with Corey Perry, even though, even in the moment, I can't imagine how anybody would mistake that for a intentional act on Corey Perry's part. Um, but it was just, you know, if it was just to turn the attention away from what was a, an awful thing for everybody to have to, to witness and to, to live through in those moments, then maybe mission accomplished. Uh, you know, as long as the NHL allows fighting as a means to settle scores, you're going to get these sort of bullshit fights. They've been tapering off because, you know, the game's, the game's past that. It's more skilled now, it's faster, it's, 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 it's a different pace, it's played differently. Um, so, you know, fighting just naturally is going away anyway. Um, but again, I mean, uh, Daniel, again, uh, sorry, the door sorry, open, yeah. yeah, sorry to interrupt, but I mean, I think uh, fighting started to go away. 
after, uh, if you remember the uh, Colton Nor George Peros fight, where uh, Colton Nor, uh, you know, just uh, knocked him out unconscious, and it was such a scary hit. And uh, years before, when that uh, minor league hockey player in Whitby, uh, Sanderson, died, uh, you know, that made na- uh, big headlines. Obviously, if that was an NHL game, uh, you know, you would think that. Uh, uh, you would think that the uh, powers that be in professional hockey would just do that much more to eliminate fighting from the game. Well, sorry, let me jump in. Don't kid yourself, guys. The NHL still needs an element of that stuff to happen during games because they're selling the game to the states. They're not selling the game to us. They're selling the game to the states, and they just signed a huge, huge television deal uh, with uh, both ESPN and TNT. And... You know, I, I think American fans want to see elements of that stuff in the game still, and I think Gary Bettman wants it to stay in the game in one form or another. Like, not 70s bench-clearing brawl stuff, but th- there are elements of that, that that I think is necessary for the NHL to keep in the game because uh, ultimately for them it's about selling the game in the States. It's not about selling the game here. You know, they, no, they don't and, need to uh, sell us. I, I never completely... listened I never listen to anybody on pre or post game stuff. They, they they literally have nothing for me to learn about the game, even though I've never played it before. You know, there is nothing for them to sell me on, right? And I think most Canadians feel like that. But uh, and uh, Tony, that's uh, completely value, valid what you just said. Uh, my question is, is that are they selling the game when you have a fight like Felino versus Perry? Because we all can remember Le Cavalier versus uh, Aginla in the uh, cup final. God, that was like, uh, what, 15 plus awesome. years ago. And, yeah, it was. it's a top of mind. 2004. That we could, yeah, 2004. So, you know, 17 years ago, we can remember that. Two captains just uh, going at it. Um, you know, that might bring fans. But what about something like this? You know, I, I got my uh, Leaf jersey on. Uh, here's hoping that the... Uh, that the, the Leafs can uh, do something and especially win in this series. But uh, I think Felino should have been suspended. I, th- I You know, uh, it, that fight was completely unjustified. It was, uh, he instigated, uh, whether you want to call it instigating or not. I don't think that kind of, ga- I don't think that kind of uh, fighting is good for the game. Well, but that's a double-edged sword. You know, from what from one side we're talking about letting the players police themselves and abiding by this code to settle disputes, but on the other, we're saying that you know, if if Felino gets suspended for that, then you know, you're you're essentially saying that uh, your your player code is bullshit. You know, if they're not calling instigator rules for a reason, and maybe that goes to Tony's point where they want that physicality, they want that rock'em sock'em element of it, which isn't as uh, prevalent anymore as it was in the 80s and 90s and you know maybe even before the lockout of 2005 um but you know it it, it really adds no benefit to the game if you look at it as you know the game of hockey is to put that little rubber puck in the net you can be physical you can use the body but you can't knee you can't elbow you can't trip you know any sort of clean way of removing somebody's body from the puck is legal so what does fighting solve in that where where does it fit in that equation and for a top four sport in north america you know football doesn't have fighting basketball doesn't have fighting no other sport has fighting outside of fighting sports so even if you're selling the games to americans because you think that that's what they want and maybe that is what they want are you really establishing 
the Bent who are going to pass on their love of the Minnesota Wild to their kids or you know, wherever they may live because they're just in it to see people get hurt and to see people throw fists. So, you know, you've got an opportunity now, I feel, where the league has a lot of great talented superstars, maybe more than any time in their in their existence, you know, you look at McKinnon and McDavid and Matthews and Kane still, and you know, and Crosby's still amazing at the, you know, at 30 plus, and it's like you got all this skill, all this speed, and all this talent, all this physicality. You almost don't need the fight. So, and and they don't get protected. It, it's insane. The NHL is backwards with this stuff. I agree with you 100. percent Like if I never see a fight ever again, watching an NHL game, I will not lose any sleep over it. Yep. Not at all. Because you're right. There's a th- like you watch this game tonight, and you've got five or six guys on the ice who just whoa, whoa! Like you just like they open my eyes. They make me they make me dance in my chair. Let's say because they're just super skilled, crazy talent, and the things they do at top speed. The NHL is backwards. They're they protect they protect you know um, the goons in this league. I mean, Tom Wilson is a class. Tom, Tom Wilson grabs Artemi Panarin, one of the best one of the most skilled players in the league, by the hair, throws them down, and gets a $5,000 fine. That's, that should be a message sent by the league saying, we need to protect our stars. It happens in the NBA, right? I mean, say what you want about the NBA, but they take care of their stars, and that's why more people watch the NBA than they do the NHL. I, I, you know. But again, they're not selling the game to us. They're, 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 they, they're trying to sell the game to a larger audience in the United States, and I don't know what they're thinking, but part of me thinks that they're thinking, okay, we need to sell a toughness to this game because that's what people equate hockey with down in the States. I, I do they have, wrong. Um, there's like the KHL or, or SHL, do they have fighting in those leagues? I don't believe I'm assuming. So. I've I'm, never watched I've, the KHL game before, but I've, you know, I'm assuming there's, there's tough stuff, rough stuff to it for sure, but... I have no idea. It's a good question. I'm, I'm I don't, assuming, I don't I'm know much about marketing for an international audience, so yeah. <laughs> I, can't, uh, I, I can't say. But, yeah, I'm with you, Tony. I, I think naturally it'll sort of uh, it'll find its way out the door anyway because, you know, really there, there's no room to carry a guy who can't skate on your team anymore. You know, even you look at a team like the Leafs, they have Joe Thornton on their fourth line. Yeah. He's still got good hands and good vision, but, you know, he can't, uh, he can't, he can't keep up on the team with the pace. You know what? By the way, Tom Wilson, I think, is – is a very good hockey player, like a sure. very, very good hockey player. Yeah, he doesn't so, have to be. You know, he doesn't have to be. You know, just he just needs to. You know, just pull it back a little bit. But then again, what happens to the mindset of the player who only knows one way to play? You know, so it's. I don't know. So I don't know, like my, Marchand went through a sort of a growing up phase where he's no longer the. Man, what a player, player he is, right? Yeah. What a player he is, right? Like yeah. once he got some of that stupid stuff out of his out of his system, he's what you mean licking guys' faces? Licking guys' faces, and, <laughs> but he still yeah. does little stupid things during <laughs> scrums. But man, what a player! Well, I mean, you, you could even add uh, Chris Pronger to the list. I mean, he uh, he was suspended multiple times. Alexander Ovechkin, he was suspended a bunch of times. Uh, you know, uh, Corey Perry. Uh, you'd think that a guy like him is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and how many times has he uh, been suspended for? Obviously, uh, but I mean, it, and it to me, it is a little bit unfair that you uh, uh, include Corey Perry's past to what happened with John Tavares. But uh, you know, his history is what is uh, what it is. Um, 
We'll get uh, we'll uh, go past uh, that. Uh, I'd be very surprised if uh, Tavares uh, not only makes it, uh, not only uh, is off for the rest of uh, the uh, playoffs, but I'd be even surprised if he uh, makes it for opening night next season. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a, a while before he uh, he returns to the ice. Uh, so, uh, guys, uh, this is, of course, a 56-game regular season. Uh, there's altered divisions. Of course, the Scotia Bank North division, which uh, Dan seems to be enjoying. Willy, 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 willy Nylander. <laughs> it looks like uh, we have uh, a score on the uh, during the uh, Leaf uh, Canadian game there. But uh, the uh, playoff format is uh, divisional play first uh, for the first two rounds, and then the uh, conference finals uh, will, uh, you know, have a, a merging of the two of the uh, various respective divisions. Uh, this was a playoff format uh, like the '80s uh, and early '90s with the. Uh, with the uh, Smythe division and Patrick division, Tony, is there like a big fight going on at your place? Uh, no, there no, there's a dog here. Uh, we we have a we have a pooch. Ah. He's actually one year old today, but somebody is knocking on the door. So my apologies. Oh hey, hey, hey absolutely, absolutely. But uh, you know, like the uh, the days of the uh, Smythe division and the Patrick division, Norris. Uh, yeah, this is a playoff format that we have seen once upon a time, and because of this playoff format. Uh, we saw the uh, first-round matchup between Toronto and Montreal and uh, Edmonton-Winnipeg. Um, Tony, what do you think about the uh, playoff format? Do you think that the uh, divisional matchups for the first two rounds of the playoffs, as it has been held this year, should stick around? Or do you like one versus eight uh, with receiving? Well, it, it has been divisional. They, they changed it. A few years back, it's just we have different divisions this year because mm-hmm. of COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. But but yeah, no, I like I like the divisionals. I was always a big fan of the Smythe and Adams division. Those you know those matchups that I grew up with, I, I love it. I mean, yeah, you're you're in jeopardy of having you know very very good teams go out early, which we're going to witness now. You know, the Capitals are out, the Penguins could be out tomorrow. Um, but I, I just the rivalries are real and 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 it's fantastic Dano, what about you uh, a couple years back uh, we had a first round matchup of the leafs versus the capitals uh, amongst other uh divisions where yeah you're uh, you are uh getting a, a conference a eastern conference versus eastern conference team and of course same in the west but uh, there does seem to be uh a little bit more in the air when uh, Toronto plays a team like a Montreal, like a Buffalo, and so on. Yeah, for sure. If you go back to, you know, we were talking about before selling the game, rivalries is, you know, a great way to sell the game. And to, you know, entrench those in your repeat playoff matchups year after year after year. You know, you can you really develop a hatred and, you know, the city starts to rally with one another. And then it could, you know, and that could be a way to sort of grow the game. I can see over time where, um, you know, and I know it's, it's going back or scheduled to go back next year, but, you know, playing the same eight teams, you know, there's a reason why I'm not a CFL fan. Right? And that's what it felt like this year because, you know, it, it, it just gets repetitive. Like, and I want to see, you know, McKinnon in my barn, and I want to see Ovechkin and Crosby come through. You know, I want to play those guys. I don't want to avoid them all season long. 
only to get to them into the, in the conference final. So for regular season, I, you know, I would say long-term, no, bad idea. But as far as keeping divisional matchups for the first or first two rounds of the playoffs, like uh, football does, I think football does that where I like it. It, it creates animosity. It creates tension. Uh, you know, it, it pushes, let's say, that Toronto is, is this good for the next five years. Let's just use our, an argument. You know, this pushes Montreal to be better because they know that they got to get through Toronto in the playoffs. They can't, they can't avoid them. So, you know, it, 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 it makes, uh, it levels the playing field in the sense where, you know, the teams won't find a lesser route, you know, and, and they'll want to beat their rival and they'll want to get better. And I, th- I think it's good for the game, for sure. Yeah, I've I, uh, won. Uh rivalry that i uh, remember very vividly was uh canadian series for example uh, for some reason you know me not being uh, the biggest canadians fan and by b- not being the biggest fan i absolutely hate the canadians but i mean when you saw i remember first round matchups with uh, the hartford whalers and the quebec nordique and uh, those were just absolute wars like uh toronto and detroit when they played uh, at the Ma- at maple leaf gardens that was uh, some really great stuff and i i for one uh, don't really get an affection to uh, whether it's the Capitals in the first round or uh, the Penguins, but uh, you know if they did have uh, some sort of uh, if they did have uh, an emphasis on uh, division play uh, during the playoffs, obviously uh, you know it's important to have uh, um, you know interconference uh, like uh, uh, the you know Sidney Crosby going uh, playing in the West and uh, to see uh, uh, the Vancouver Canucks uh, come out East. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, 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 important to see, but you know, it, it just seems that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they did do something about the uh, playoff format. Now I know that they just recently changed it up, where they have uh, the top three teams, and that there's two wild cards. Like it's all, it's all a big mess to me. Like I don't know. It apparently works for them. I don't. I don't know if uh, this is something that they're going to uh, keep. Uh, long term but we will see uh so dan uh you know you mentioned about uh how this is uh, the same eight teams per division for this 56 game season uh of course uh, every team in the national hockey league are playing each other within their division uh only uh those who make it to the uh, conference finals will uh, see somebody outside of their division as a leaf fan yourself does that make a difference? Let's say that the Toronto Maple Leafs actually do make and win the Stanley Cup. I, you know, I'm a typical Leaf fan. Of course, I'm thinking uh, three steps ahead. Uh, but is this uh, is this a season where you do uh, where fans want to see their team win the Cup with a pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. You, you think so? Yes. Yeah, hundred percent. It, it, it's a very Toronto thing to happen, but you know we're not the first sports team that would have won in a pandemic where you can't have the you know, traditional parade and packing the streets with millions and millions of people. You know, and it's been an ongoing joke with uh, with Leaf fans for decades now, where you know that that this city would literally shut down for probably a week or two. You know, if, if the Leafs were to win, just because people would go that nuts and you know and, and want to celebrate for for a long, long time with each other and. 
and making babies in the streets or whatever the hell people do. But um, yeah, no, it, 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 I don't. I don't think it taints it at all. Everybody started with the same schedule, the same idea, the same platform. So it's not like we're at an advantage or at a disadvantage. Um, so I'll take it if it comes this year, and then uh, you know we'll we'll repeat next year as well. Tony, you are a uh, diehard Pittsburgh Penguin fan. Obviously, you have seen the uh, Penguins win on multiple uh, occasions. Uh, but you are also a Buffalo Bills fan, and uh, it's been a while since uh, the Bills have uh, won the Super Bowl. Of course, uh, you were... Like never. Uh, oh, they never won it. That's right. No, sorry. My bad. Uh, but, uh, of course, the uh, the four Super Bowl appearances that they did have in the 90s, uh, which... Uh, you know, uh, they had a great, uh, great season this year. Can you put, uh, can you uh, draw comparisons to, uh, let's say, the Buffalo Bills winning the Super Bowl in an altered season with no fans in the stands? Uh, it kind of takes away the shine, doesn't it? Well, I mean, first of all, they, you know, both the Penguins and the Bills would have fans in the stands. Um, it's just our country that's like miles behind everybody else on, on how they're handling this pandemic. Uh, I got a prediction for you. If the Leafs win the Stanley Cup, there'll be millions and millions of people back in the streets of Toronto. I think <laughs> well. Yeah. Even, I if I, you know, even the way we're sort of trending, uh, I can imagine by late second round, they start letting in a few thousand fans into the, into the Scotiabank Arena. Yeah, Third maybe. round, you know, maybe half capacity. So, you know, Montreal, if we make it to Game 6, Montreal's going to have 2,500. Yeah, the Habs said they're putting 2,500 people. I mean, it's it's absolutely stupid and ridiculous that there are no fans in the seats still at this point. But that's, you know, that's a different story for another day. Um, But, uh, yeah, I'm like Dan. You take take a championship any way you can, but... I don't think it's going to stop people from packing the streets. Yeah. I I think the one thing that misses out is the are the bars that, you know, go watch the game at the bar. Like, absolutely. Oh, that would just be incredible. That's, um, you know, a lot of business loss for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, when uh, the Raptors won the uh, the championship, uh, I was watching uh, the games over at my brother-in-law's house and uh, we had a small, crew of people and uh when they won game six uh we uh, pa- uh went on over to the bar and didn't have a care in the world and uh you know uh, no matter who wins the uh, stanley cup uh this year uh let alone the uh larry o'brien uh there is a little bit of worry in my opinion because of the pandemic that does still exist uh speaking of basketball guys it uh might as well uh, talk about that Incredible Raptors season that uh, did take place. Uh, uh, Dan, how about we throw it to you first? Uh, what are your thoughts on this Raptors season? Uh, it uh, started, of course, with the uh, team uh, playing their home games in Tampa. Uh, the uh, thought was is that Kyle Lowry was going to be traded. He didn't. Norm Powell was. And eventually, Lowry sat for uh, the majority of uh, the, the final stretch of games. Uh, you know, the uh, the consensus was is that they uh, weren't going to try uh, to uh, qualify for the play-in tournament. Did you think that was the, the right move? I forget who said it, but the, one of them, I think it was Ben Vliet near the end of the season, where he said, we're the, we're the best team that can't win the game. And it really felt that way. I think, uh, you know, for a team that's coming off a miraculous run just a few years ago, 
Um, you know, and losing the amount of players that they have to, you know, either free agency or trades, or just, you know, aging out, uh, you know, in the sense of uh, Gasol or maybe even Siakam, where they're not part of the long-term vision. They still have a lot of great pieces. They're, they're, they're young. They need to learn to play the game. But um, it's encouraging as a Raptors fan. You know, the, the, the Lowry thing, they didn't trade him and then, you know, played him in the, in the final game that might have, uh, you know, that might have been a nice storybook ending where at least you can give him this final goodbye. But then again, it's, it's not in front of fans in Toronto, so then what's the point? Um, so I don't know. It, it, it feels like they're not that far away from uh, being competitive again. I don't want to say contenders because you know, they're up against a lot of different factors outside of just bringing in talent. Um, or I guess that's one of them that attracted them to, to the city and wanted to stay here. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I really like this team. I like the management. I like uh, I like the way that they carry themselves, and I like the way that they you know, don't uh, obviously roll over and just die. Like, there was still a lot of fight in those games, even at the end of the season when there was really nothing to play for. So it's, a, it's something to build on, something to look forward to, and uh, you know, in a way to keep the the Raptors community engaged, uh, not just uh, this year, next year, but uh, but beyond. Yeah, they definitely do seem to have a lot of pieces, and despite the uh, uh, players that were not playing, that they definitely did seem to give it uh, 110%, uh, as cliche as that sounds. Uh, You know, Tony, uh, I I guess uh, the big question is, beyond Lowry himself, is you know what the plans are for Masai Ujiri. Uh, this is the uh, last season of his uh, contract. Uh, there's a lot of uh, rumors out there that uh, he will not be coming back. Uh, you know, if he does leave, uh, you know, will it be for another NBA position? Do you think he'll be out of basketball together? Do you think he's going to uh, return uh, with the Raptors? Uh, Tony, what do you think? Well, Larry Tannenbaum has said that, you know, it's, it's going to get done. Um, that's the key. I mean, that, that is the key to maintaining what this organization has accomplished over the last eight years is, is completely tied to Masai Ujiri. Now, he's groomed a few guys, and Bobby Webster is highly thought of. But, I, you know, admittedly, guys, I haven't watched almost any basketball <laughs> over the last year. But... I mean, here it is. Here's, here's the thing with the Raptors, right? We won the championship two years ago. Um, in the ensuing off-seasons, you lose Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, Serge Ibaka, um, Marc Gasol. You end up trading Norm uh, this past season. And virtually nothing has come back uh, in terms of outside help, in terms of acquisitions or anything like that. Just to, There was no comp comparable replacements uh we still haven't seen the best of og uh he's still got some inconsistencies a bit of a regression from pasco right like he he's turned it on at the end i guess but i mean that's all i kept on hearing about and of course the kyle lowry situation is still up in the air and he's probably not coming back but it's all tied to messiah and i agree with dan you know they're a good enough organization where they'll find their way out of it and and be better sooner but um you know, it, it, it all, and I do think there is something bigger out there for Masai Ujiri, 100%, Randy. So I think if he's thinking about not being in the league or not worth doing anything else, 
he's absolutely the guy to do it because there's so much more to him. He's so much more well-rounded. His work with his African cause is um, is a big deal to him. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. But I, I do I do believe there is a higher calling for, for Masai Ujiri, for sure. But the highest-paid job could potentially be uh, the Toronto Raptors president because I'm hearing as high as, what, $15 million a year, maybe? What he's getting now or what he's... Uh... What he might be potentially be getting, yeah. Fifteen million. It's, well, it's going to take that much to keep him. Perhaps, and uh, but first things first. Uh, you know, when you mentioned uh, how uh, the Raptors didn't get anybody uh, for uh, the uh, players that were on the championship team, and that is uh, definitely true. I mean, other than Gary Trent Jr. and we'll see. What and, I'm not, and I'm not blaming anybody. I understand like, the salary cap situation in the NBA is something I don't totally understand, but I, but I. I did read that even after losing Kawhi, there there wasn't any cap space available to them, basically. Well, uh, unless if uh, they uh, had all their uh, ducks uh, hoping to get Giannis and Tentacumpo, and because of that, they weren't able to sign Serge Ibaka. Uh, I'm sure that was it too. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, you know, they did uh, seem to get some really interesting pieces. Uh, I was really impressed with Utah Watanabe. He uh, can handle the ball really well, can shoot from the outside, uh, really liked uh, Freddie Gillespie and Malachi Flynn, uh, uh, who they, uh, the uh, rookie, uh, he had some uh, pretty impressive uh, games as well. So uh, they uh, they didn't get anybody from uh, uh, the uh, certain players of the championship team who, who left, but uh, Dan, to your point, like it does seem like uh, the Raptors are in a good position to... Uh, to make the playoffs at least, maybe win a round or two. I don't think they're at a championship point yet, but it does look promising. It's encouraging that they'll be in the fight. They, you know, you never want to be the team that, that finishes dead last, you know, five, six years in a row. You never want to be the team that, you know, there's no, never any hope. There seems to be a hope. And, I, and, I, and again, I, I think it starts with the top down. I think it starts with Messiah all the way down. Uh, you know, you can see the evolution of this franchise over the past decade or two or however long, you know, things have really started to, to shape up where, you know, big names would come in and leave just as fast or, you know, we were always seen as sort of a joke. I remember once we beat the Bulls and it was like, uh, but this is way back in the, in the, in the 90s. I was at that game. Were you really? Oh, no kidding. First, first couple of years of uh, the Raptors' existence, I don't remember. I had 500 level seats. Oh, yeah. so you, you were there, and Tony was uh, at uh, the final round of the uh, Canadian Open where Tiger Woods hit the incredible shot. We were talking about it before yeah. uh, we went yeah. on live today. <laughs> yeah. I definitely don't think they'll ever – I don't think they'll be a joke again. I think they're in good no. hands. And even if Masai leaves, I think he has set up – the leadership moving forward. And I've, I've said it a hundred times about Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment or MLSC. They're always trying to win. They're all, you know, Larry Tannenbaum's a good owner. Um, it's, a, it's a good company to work for. And they're so committed to winning and spending. As you can see with TFC, Randy, they, you know, they're always the highest, um, you know, the highest uh, in terms of player salaries. They're always on top of the MLS, uh, MLS as well. So I, it's they're not going to be a joke anymore. I don't think. You know what? It's funny you say that because I am nervous if Masai leaves. With Kyle Lowry, it'd be unfortunate, but you know, 
Uh, players, uh, players come and go, and I guess upper management does too. But what Ujiri did, uh, I, I don't think uh, anybody can just do that. And you, you know, you think of uh, the championship teams from once upon a time. You think of. Uh, I mean, the Houston Rockets uh, has regressed uh, rapidly, but that was just recently. The Phoenix Suns didn't uh, make the playoffs for uh, all those years. Somebody sounds like they're getting murdered right now. <laughs> I don't know what that was. But, uh, but, I think it was Carrie. I think Carrie Price just got murdered. Oh, okay. Yeah, two nothing Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, you think of the, you think of the. Uh, oh, I get it, Shannon. Uh, uh, never mind. But uh, you know, you think of the New York Islanders. They won four Stanley Cups in the '80s, and then they, uh, then they were in the tank for all those years. So you just, you just have to think uh, that. Uh, yeah, sure. Winning, uh, winning obviously attracts a lot of attention, but. Uh, you know, are they uh, are they going to be in a good place if Masai uh, Masai does leave? It, it it'll be interesting to see. I don't know how long you can hang on the uh, the, the Raptors championship. I just don't no, know. They'll, they'll, and they'll always be up against that. You know, as far as the NBA goes, they're the lone Canadian market. So you know, there's obviously more dollars down south, even as far as uh, being. Uh, the word is, is escaping me right now. Where you, you do uh, endorsement deals or TV deals or that sort of stuff. Um, but again, I, I think that Toronto has been put on the map as a, as a serious place to come play, you know, even for a star. Um, you know, and, and they took a little bit of a flag during the Kawhi year, where you know, with load management now being a household term and that sort of thing. But, but I think it showed that they're, you know, they're, they're not a Mickey Mouse organization where. You know, they recognize that, especially in the NBA, maybe more so than any more of the any of the other major sports where the stars really run that league, and treating them right is, is always the best path to success for them. So, um, I, I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say you're going to have to draft well and develop well, like they yeah. seem to have been doing, like so so well over the last few years. Because honestly, they probably won't be able to attract the big-time free agents necessarily. You're going to have to trade for them like you did with Kawhi. So if you have that depth, if you have those players in your in your organization plus the necessary draft picks and stuff, I mean, I think they're still going to have to trade for the Kawhi Leonards of the world. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I get the feeling that, you know, that still might be the case. But um, as long as you draft and, 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 and develop well, you know, I think you always have a chance. Yeah, and uh, uh, to that, I guess the big free agent signings, uh, you know, you think of LeBron when he went to Cleveland, you think of Kevin Durant when he went to Golden State, and uh, Oakland uh, two, and Oakland and Cleveland are two of the smaller uh, teams in the NBA, So, and uh, not a lot of free agent signings have uh, happened in New York uh, over the years. So, uh, very quickly, LeBron James uh, has been scrutinized uh, for attending... Uh, an event with his uh, buddy and business partner Drake. Uh, the two uh, collaborated collaborated on a uh, tequila brand, and there was a party with Michael B. Jordan and a bunch of other beautiful people who make way too much money. Uh, the NBA decided uh, not to suspend LeBron James uh, with uh, the possibility of. Uh, uh, contracting COVID or uh, putting himself in a uh, 
you know, precarious situation. Dano, was this the right move? No. No. I, I don't care how much of a star you are. When it comes to stuff like this, we've been fighting this for, you know, 18 months now, and then, you know, everybody else gets penalized for doing stuff they're not supposed to do, but this is the one guy who can get away with it. You know, I, I don't care what the excuses are. I don't care... You know, whatever reasoning you may throw at it, uh, this and that, it, it, you have to you have to set a standard. You have to put your foot down at some point, especially when the and this is going to sound terrible to say, but especially because the evidence was there. It's not like it was all hearsay. You know, these pictures were were out there. You know, people like me knew that he was at that party. And if I know it, then he's still playing. Then you know, how do I explain to my son or even to myself that you know the the rules are, are, are equal for everybody. It's, it's, uh, it's a bad message. It's, um, it's terrible timing, and, uh, and they should have acted differently for sure. So, uh, as mentioned before, uh, Tony has always been critical of uh, LeBron James for uh, various reasons. But, Tony, uh, if you uh, do disagree uh, with the NBA's decision, I, uh, like Dano, I, I, I agree with, uh, with that sentiment. I, you know, the reality is, is that this disease bears no prejudice, and you could be uh, a legend. You could be a uh, you could be a legend. You could be the twelfth guy off the bench. Uh, you know, COVID is COVID, and you know, you are putting uh, your fellow teammates and your uh, your fellow league at, at, at risk. It's a it's a league privilege, my friend. I, I I'm not I'm not stunned at all. Uh, the NBA would never have the balls to suspend um, LeBron for those reasons, um, and therefore I didn't, I wasn't disgusted or an uproar or anything like that. It just it is what it is. We see it all the time. It's do as I say, not as I do, and we've seen it exclusively over the last 18 months with elite people getting away with stuff. I mean, it, it, it happened. It, it's happened almost monthly since since the beginning of the pandemic. The funny thing is, is I'm actually, I've actually defended LeBron over the last few days because he's, no. he got a beating. He took, yeah, he, he took a beating from uh, Stephen A. Smith um, for not telling the public whether he's been vaccinated or not. And that's, you know, that's your personal medical, um, that's a situation. You don't have to share it with anybody. Mm-hmm. That, that's your own, that's your personal health. I mean, I understand there are a lot of virtue signaling losers out there who take pictures and post it on their social media sites saying, hey, look, I got poked. Look at me. I'm a hero. Uh, for the record, I did do that. So, you know, no hey, offense. You're, you're... <laughs> no offense right? um, but uh, the point is, is that he doesn't have to say shit about what he does on a personal level when it comes to his medical um, situation, so I kind of defended him there, but I'm not surprised. I mean, the NBA wouldn't have the balls to do that, especially you're about to start the playoffs and you're gonna you're gonna suspend the face of your game. It's you know, it, it sucks. It, it's horrible. It's elite privilege. It's it's just another example of how players, especially a player like LeBron James, is the guy who actually runs the league, not the commissioner. Well, but and, you uh, know what? Uh, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not even bitter about it because it's it just. I would have never expected him to be suspended. You know, uh, to to piggyback. You know, you know what I am that? bitter about? <laughs> well, I know it's you're Drake. bitter. <laughs> it's Drake. What the hell's going on with our global ambassador? He's 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 got the exact same seat no, at the no. Staples Center 
What's going on here? Well, now, wait a minute, wait. You can't blame Drake because <laughs> he's got uh, some highfalutin friends, and he's. I personally think he's done a lot for Toronto, uh, for I, the Raptors, I'm, and so I'm on. I'm totally kidding. He's, I know you are. I know you are. Um, I also have a problem with so many celebrities making tequilas. It's it's driving me nuts. Why tequila? <laughs> Now, I'm I'm a big fan of tequila, and this is this is the one I have right now. It's it's the Rocks tequila, actually. It's really good. Rocks Aramana. tequila. Yeah, the Rocks tequila. It's really good. I'm about to have a shot of it, actually. Never mind. Um, have you guys had uh, Patron uh, uh, made a coffee infused tequila? Oh. Yeah, it is incredible. Like you put that with a little coffee, or you put that with ice. It is. Quite the uh, quite the I, spirit. I've heard, I've heard about that. I've heard yeah, about that, and yeah, we will yeah. try. Very very Coffee. nice. I, I do have a I, I do have a little bit. I I'd invite your boys over, but you know, I don't, want, I don't want to get your. You're hands. fully vaccinated, aren't you? No, anyway, I got yeah, the first so, dose. I got the first dose. Anyway, back to that. Too many celebrities making tequilas now. Uh, Michael B. Jordan is the most overrated actor. Um, I've ever seen in my life. I don't know. Have you seen uh, what was that movie? Uh, he Proof? makes he makes Gerard Butler look like Al Pacino. Okay. Uh, have you seen uh, uh, Fruitville Station? What is that movie? Uh, Fruitland no, Station. I, I just I just saw the one on Prime without remorse. Um, oh God. I thought I thought uh, I thought he was really good in that uh, Fruitville. Man, I, I'm saying that he's amazing in this movie. I don't I mean, even know the I name mean, of it. He's easy on the eyes. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, <laughs> he. I'm pretty sure he doesn't need to go on Tinder to find a date. That's for sure. No, no, he's got a file of facts on him for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh... But anyway, sorry, I got off topic there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not surprised, not an uproar. Believe it or not, I'm not even going to rip on LeBron this time. But you know what? Uh, but Tony, uh, I am getting a little annoyed with the whole dynamic of. Uh, Player A has earned his stripes, and therefore he doesn't uh, need to be called on a foul. And we should be. We should be 100%. I, I can't believe how many uh, retired players, whether it be basketball, hockey, or otherwise, actually support this dynamic. You know, uh, Dan, I don't, I don't know if you have any comments uh, towards this, but to me, a foul is a foul. A penalty is a penalty. It doesn't matter who takes... Uh, who uh, you know? Who uh, commits the penalty? I, I, I'm just really, I'm just really fed up with the whole fact that uh, rookies are getting uh, smoked, and uh, because they're a kid with uh, no reputation, that uh, they're getting, uh, they're, they're not getting the calls. Just like the, just uh, and on the flip, uh, like these uh, superstar athletes are getting, uh, getting away with murder. That's the code. That, that's the uh, that, that's the old boys network, you know, that that, that we'll never be a part of, or we'll never really understand. I guess. But yeah, you know, if if you're playing a game, and the rules are the rules, the rules should apply to everybody. It doesn't matter what you're playing, who you are, or how many goals you've scored. Um, you know, Leaf fans are still we still hate Gary Frazier because he you know, he didn't call that high stick on Gretzky. And if Marty McSorley high stick Doug Gilmore 93, would he have gotten the penalty? I don't know. But, uh, you oh, know, that's it, a good point. It, it, it's the same sort of. Uh, it, I'm surprised that you say you're fed up when it's been. This is like, you know, since the dawn of, of sports, this stuff has been going on. I'm sure the Gladiators got 
preferential treatment if they were, you know, if they were wrestling bears or lions for <laughs> a couple years as opposed to. You know, that's an analogy, right? Yeah. And then young Otavio comes up and he's like, I want to fight Lions too. And they're like, fuck off, kid. You know, you got to pay your dues and earn your stripes. Yeah. yeah. Guys, um, yeah. sorry, Tony, go ahead, please. No, it's, it's one of the things of basketball, especially, that, that, that bugs me. But, you know, it's it's like a wart. You know, it's annoying, but it grows on you. You have no choice because that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. It's like flopping in soccer. It's part of the game almost. Like flopping in soccer. Yeah. Another pet peeve of mine when a guy is ready to take off, and so we were. Wa- I was watching the game with my brother on the weekend, and player takes the ball. He's unclear. He's ready to go. Like he's he's launching off from his own zone. Nothing but green ahead of him, and he just gets yanked. But I think that should be an automatic red card. I think it should be full stop red card. You are stopping a play from happening. But, again, it's something that we're used to. I mean, I think they'll give the red card when he's closer to the net now. They've kind of changed that route. But I, I think it should be all over the pitch. Yeah. Well, I mean, flopping in soccer as well. Like, I, I don't know how you could uh, police something like that globally. But uh, if uh, MLS, for example, if they uh, – if they – you know, uh, give yellow cards uh, to flopping if uh, VAR includes flopping. Um, you know, is that a way to uh, to limit it uh, to eliminate it from the game? I don't really see that happening in uh, certain areas like South America or Italy, for example. But uh, well, I, I don't know if uh, anyway. I, I don't even know if it's uh, if it's uh, a real concern uh, outside of say North America that. Uh, if it is a uh, a trait that European clubs uh, you know want to have on their team or and fans as well, right? PSG is paying Neymar five hundred million dollars to pretend like his ankle breaks every second game. <laughs> they, he's one of the worst. Again, a really skilled guy that doesn't have to do that. I, I just don't understand the, the theatrics of it. You know, when you're really hurt, John Tavares, you know, case in point, people know that you're hurt. You don't have to roll around yeah. you know, and scream in pain like, it's ridiculous for and I was going to call them grown men but in the you know, in truth in most cases they're not like they're, they're still kids and they're, and they're hot headed and, and that's why we love them because they're you know because they're pieces of shit they're, they're, they're really good at playing their sport <laughs> and uh, so reality TV yeah, and actually it was funny because that injury that Neymar had uh, in the uh, World Cup there, I thought he was faking, uh, uh, and uh, what, like, didn't he break, like, crack like a vertebrae or something like that? Yeah, uh, and go figure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But we all thought the same thing. We're like, look, look, look at the wolf, eh? Yeah. Yeah, but then he was out for the rest of the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, boy who cried, did you just say that, Tony, sir? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he nailed it, of course. And of course, LeBron, you know, he gets carried off when he uh, pulls a hamstring or something like that. <laughs> and uh, Rich Peverly gets revived on the bench after a heart attack, and he wants to go out and play. Yeah. Hockey players. Oh, my God. So, I would imagine Tavares was going through the same thing, where he was well, like, I just want to get back in the game. They're like, stay the fuck down. Oh, sure. Tavares, well, that's what I kept on saying. Why is he staying down? He wanted to get yeah. up and play again. He put his old. thumb up, everything. Yeah, he just wanted to keep playing. Yeah. They're so hard-headed sometimes, but yeah, that's why we love them. Not surprised. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, guys, uh, just before we sign off, uh, I 
trying to uh, finish off with a rapid fire segment. Uh, had uh, one uh, format uh, the last time we got together. Going to change it up uh, this time. I'm going to call it Big Deal or No Big Deal. So I'm going to give you a uh, storyline and um, you guys are going to tell me if uh, this is a big deal or who cares. So uh, former Hockey Night in Canada uh, icon Don Cherry had his own commentary on Austin Matthews saying Matthews doesn't understand the code. Uh, this was... Uh, uh, during the scrum where uh, Matthews had his hands in the air, basically uh, uh, drawing attention while uh, Canadians uh, player Ben Sherratt was uh, ragdolling him. Uh, you know, Cherry said that he couldn't believe he was laughing uh, and that and alluded to the fact that because Matthews was playing in Switzerland, he may not have learned. He may have learned it there. Dan. Uh, Dan, Don Cherry's comments, is that a big deal or no big deal? Yeah. It's no big deal. You know, I, I love the way Matthews handled it. Again, maybe in that moment I wanted him to turn around and, you know, and get his face in there and you know, face wash somebody. But look what's happened to him. You know, they, they're, they're on their way to winning three straight games. Montreal's rattled. You know, the, the playoff hockey is, 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 is more of a mental game than anything else. So, you know, if you, you cannot let a guy who's never going to beat you on the scoreboard beat you in your mind and, and, and sort of you know burrow his way into your thoughts and, and really put you off your game then you lose at the end so I like the way Matthews handled it again there was no need to do anything the penalty was coming so take the penalty or take the power play and, and, and move on he's not a fighter anyway he's not going to beat up Petrie so then what, what's the point Tony any thoughts oh god bless Don Cherry Canadian icon but it was an idiotic take. I, I thought Matthews was hilarious, the way he was just smiling there. And I think he, I figured he would know what ragdolling means because he was not being ragdolled. He was just, he was holding on to the collar uh, of, of his jersey and just kind of yanking him back. But I'm like Dan, I thought, I thought his reaction to it was um, exactly what it should be. You show the other team that you're not getting under my skin, right? And that's what you're going to try and do in the playoffs. You're going to try and get under the skin of the superstars on the other team, but what Austin Matthews was showing us is that I ain't letting this clown uh, dictate the way I'm going to play in this series or get into my head or anything. I don't even know who his name is. Maybe he was going to check the, uh, the back of his jersey like he did to that uh, player, uh, the Ottawa Senator player, during a preseason game a couple of years back. Who, uh, He's a Leaf now. That's right. That's right. Uh, Sabrin, right? That's right. Yep. Sabrin. Yeah. Uh, uh, my Dan, Danny's the goalie. Another Sabrin. Oh, yeah, that's right. Scott <laughs> Sabrin, I believe. Scott Sabrin, that's it, yeah. So, uh, Don, you're wrong here, and I don't know what Switzerland has to do with it, but he's yeah. always bringing Yeah, I know. I mean, like, when is Don going to, uh, you know, cut that, that that narrative out, man? Like, we get it. Like, uh, you know, he doesn't like European hockey or, I mean, come on. I, I mean, like, you know, the fact is, is that, you know, I, I just can't believe uh, Cherry wants to see Matthews participate in that so he can get a penalty. You know, the Leafs aren't going to win nothing with uh, Matthews in the box. Like, it just blows That's my mind. That's what I want to know. I want to know what the, what is the code supposed to tell you to do there? That's what I want to know. Like, what, what, what should he be doing there, Don? But the, he's in his 80s. He's, I'm pretty sure he doesn't have it all there. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't... Like the, 
I haven't listened kind of to like his the podcast. Of the United States, like weekend at Bernie's, you know. <laughs> but what what are you going to get out of his podcast? It's the same thing, right? He's going he's going to tell you what it was like in his day, um, and and how the players aren't like that now. Well, everything changes, obviously. Um, but I, I, you know what? As, as a fan of a team, let's say. I remember early Sidney Crosby, like early year Sidney Crosby, would let that stuff get to him. Modern day Sidney Crosby brushes that shit off no problem. He doesn't whine to the ref anymore. That's that's what I want to see. I want to see him get on with it and play, you know, the next shift and be ready. Because, yeah, I'd rather have Austin Matthews on the ice than in the penalty box for five minutes because he turned around and cracked Sherry out in the face. It's, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, you know, let's, uh, let's just leave it at that. Uh, guys, Raptors superfan Nav Batya has been acknowledged in, uh, by the Basketball Hall of Fame as the first fan to be recognized before the likes of Spike Lee and Jack Nicholson, etc. Um, where are we going to go? How about, uh, uh, Tony, uh, Spike and Jack not being in the Hall of Fame, uh, is that a big deal or no big deal? I didn't know fans were it's, allowed to uh, it was the first it, so Batya was the first uh, superfan was the first uh, fan to uh, be uh, to have a uh, dedicated spot uh, in oh. in Springfield was it a builders category when he like what was I guess so yeah I, you could put it like I mean he's not a Hall of Famer per se but I mean, basically, uh, basically he's got inducted into the Hall of Fame because he's a very rich guy who has uh, very expensive seats and you know hooks up visiting players with whatever apparently because he knows everybody when they're when they're uh, shoot around before the games uh i don't know fans in the hall of fame to me is is, is stupid and i you know i i don't want to see jack nicholson in the hall of fame i don't want to see spike lee in the hall of fame for being a fan um, if that's the case i should be in the you know mls hall of fame for being a season ticket holder since 2007 and not missing a game right like I don't know. But, uh, you know, you think about uh, fans, and uh, Dan will definitely get your comment uh, soon, but you think about fans who maybe uh, had a bad case, of, like a case of bad luck, and uh, you think about that young kid uh, who was a big Ottawa Senators fan and had a uh, severe skin condition, and he eventually died. Uh, you think about that uh, 100-year-old college football fan who, uh, you know, was loyal to her squad, and uh, I believe uh, she's still with us i can't remember the team that she was supporting but uh you know she uh she was uh making all the uh the news uh shows and uh, was really highly recognized even that uh that woman uh, the golden state warriors fan i don't know if you remember she had the christmas sweater on and she had the really terrible dance moves and she looked like an old grandma with uh you know, uh, anyway, whatever. If you guys don't remember, that's fine. But, uh, Daniel, in terms of fans, uh, like, I, I mean, I actually thought it was kind of cool to uh, acknowledge uh, devoted fans, whether it be NBA, a super fan, or otherwise. Yeah, I don't mind it. You know, but it's really a Toronto thing. I don't know that anybody else in the league, I don't know that the Miami yeah. know who Nat Batia is. You know, I'm sure in the Premier League, Chelsea and Liverpool have guys. Are you going to, you know, in New York, they have the guy who wears the, the, they have the fireman guy over there. You know, everybody has their own characters, their own quasi mascots. So, you know, if we, he was in the Canadian Basketball Hall of Fame, 
sure, why not? You know, he's not a celebrity. He's just a guy who really likes the team, and people seem to rally behind him. So a feel-good story, or maybe, you know, maybe not induct him into the Hall of Fame, but, you know, put his picture up, you know, tape it to the wall or something. But, yeah, as far as, <laughs> but as, as, far as you know, the, the NBA Hall of Fame, it seems misguided. It seems misplaced. It seems um, it kind of it kind of taints the Hall of Fame. Confusing, really. Uh, like I don't know. What do yeah. Hall of Famers feel about that? Like, do you want to be at a function standing be like Michael Jordan standing behind beside Nav Batia at, a, at the next Hall of Fame function? I mean, I'm sure he's looking down, saying, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, you think about uh, certain now, don't sports. Don't get me wrong. I think, you know, he, he's a very charitable guy, and, and a lot of people know him and love him. It's not just a Toronto thing in terms of, trust me, I, I watch shoot-around when I work sometimes, and you'd be amazed how many times the opposing players, like, line oh, up yeah. Yeah, to yeah. go up to the guy and give him a hug and, and say what's up. So, I mean, you know, he, he's got some kind of reach within the NBA, but... I don't know. Fans in the Hall of Fame is. And actually, uh, actually, I met him. Uh, I met him uh, during a Canada Nigeria uh, exhibition game at uh, what used to be Maple Leaf Gardens, and like he was just so genuinely saying, you know, you have to support Canada basketball. He wasn't even talking about the Raptors. He was like, you know, you have to do. Uh, tell people to support uh, the national team and you know the, just uh, how genuinely he loves basketball is just uh you know it's 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 just really really incredible uh v- very quickly uh, guys one more uh, one more before we sign off and uh you know during his walk uh, along uh, uh up to the 18th green uh, during the final round of sunday's pga championship uh fans have uh swarmed the eventual winner phil mickelson uh you know they were putting his arms around him uh you know they were kind of uh, like uh, you know uh, jerking him around for lack of a better term potentially creating what? a concern uh yeah, well yeah so uh, he was walking up the 18th green and uh and fans were uh you know they were in his space they were like uh putting his arm around him and they were like hey phil like as if they were like uh you know uh best friends and so no, on sorry. And, you said you said jerking him around dan and i started getting some okay you got to get your head out of the gutter tony but, <laughs> but Randy, sorry. well sorry. What, what i was uh what i was alluding to what i was getting to was that you know what uh this just potentially creating a concern for his safety whether it be covid or just uh, his per, uh, just uh, safety in general. Um, Dano, uh, the issue of fans uh, surrounding athletes and uh, you know uh, the the threat of uh, what could have happened, whether it be Mickelson. I mean, we have seen uh, athletes uh, attacked uh, by fans. Uh, you know, you think of Monica Seles, although it was 30 years ago. But uh, you know what happened uh, during the PGA Championships? Was that a big deal or no big deal? I think it's a, it's a big enough deal that warrants a conversation, you know, for a game that sort of espouses itself to be this, you know, super formal, you know, hoity-toity, you know, perfect gentleman's game is, you know, in that situation where a guy's walking up to win the championship, you got a nothing but a but a group of the you know, slack jawed yokels on the on the fucking course and you know and doing what they're doing. I, I saw something on TikTok after that where I don't know what year it was, but there was some masters tournament where after the winning putts went in, four guys literally dove for the hole to grab the ball. 
So since then, apparently they uh, they, they you know scale back and put people in perimeters and not yet let them get too close. But you know, if we can debate, you know, athletes' value to our society, you know, for, for days and weeks on end. But in that situation, if you know, if you set up this tournament where these guys are invited to come play for a purse and they carry celebrity, yeah, you got to protect them. You can't have guys going up and hitting them in the arm. When he's you know about to make uh, you know the final putt to win the whole fucking tournament, so it, it seems ridiculous that they would let them get that close. And um, yeah, I'm I'm sure that that's not going to happen again. Tony, what do you think? I, I I don't know if you saw the highlights or if you saw the uh, final round, but I was going to ask. No, I was going to ask how was what was Phil's reaction to it? Well, uh, well I mean, he it was. Uh, uh, well, I mean, after he got past uh, those uh, those particular fans, like he walked up to the green and he was uh, waving, giving thumbs up, and so on to the to uh, the rest of the gallery. So you know, it obviously didn't affect his play, but uh, in the end, uh, you know, it could happen, right? Uh, yeah, you think of uh, fans who uh, you know jump the fence of baseball games and. I, I remember uh, uh, fans, uh, uh, one, a couple of fans uh, attacking a Kansas City bench, uh, like the first base coach, like uh, in mid-90s, give or take. And So, okay, so is your question based on, like, athlete safety in terms of somebody, you know, knifing the athlete? Or well, I mean, uh, you know, any, anything, yeah. Spot COVID. <laughs> Any, any, well, anything. I mean, uh, be, especially uh, during this time. Now the uh, PGA did apologize. Uh, they did uh, issue a statement saying that they that security was lax, uh, especially during. Uh, yeah. Uh, with regards to to Mickelson, but. Uh, yeah. They have to fix that. Am I concerned that everybody's going to drop dead on the spot from COVID nineteen? Absolutely not. If, if we're looking at it from that perspective, I'm not. I'm not biting on that shit. I, in fact, I'm jealous that I wasn't part of those crowds, and I can't sit in an arena or stadium and watch a sporting event right now. Because if I had the option to do it, I'd do it. But um, absolutely, safety for the player. Um, you never know. If somebody's holding a knife and just wants to, just like what happened to um, Jesus, the tennis player, Monica Sellish. Monica Sellish, how many years ago? Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Yeah, that's absolutely concerning. You gotta, uh, you gotta do a better job. But I'm not, you know, a super spreader garbage. I'm not biting on that. Well, no, uh, maybe not so much in terms of COVID, or maybe in terms of COVID. You never know. But uh, yeah, I think in, uh, in the end, uh, the uh, PGA uh, could have done more in terms of protecting. They gotta fix players. that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Guys, uh, thank you so much. Now uh, we did. Uh, I did try to do this yesterday, and uh, you know, effed up, and we weren't able to get this thing going yesterday. Uh, thank you so much for uh, hooking back up today and uh, getting this thing off the ground. Uh, you know, being able to uh, to do this uh, live. Uh, you know, it, it was a blast. I, I don't know how many more times we're going to do it uh, going forward, but. Uh, uh, it kind of brought us back to our uh, radio days all those years ago uh, when we were ruling the, uh, the, the hallways of Seneca College. As many times as you want this to happen, Randy, that's how many <laughs> times it's going to happen. Dano, uh, 
you know, you always look beautiful. Uh, yeah, thank you, uh, thank you so much. For, I know. <laughs> he was so nervous about it. He clearly looks better than the three of us. Look at him. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Speak, Dan, so I can see you. No. <laughs> thank, you, thank you thank you for being kind all right for tony antonio and dan Legeri, this is what's up the sports podcast if you don't uh if you haven't done so already uh, give us a follow on facebook and twitter at what's up podcast i'm randy Kure and we'll talk to you next time bye